Crossover Appeal is a show that will sometimes have spoilers, but the hosts promise not to be jerks about it. Also, from time to time, Walt and Annie may get small details about the things they discuss incorrect, and they would like you to know that every time it happens, it is done on purpose to spite you specifically. Enjoy the show! everybody, and welcome to Crossover Appeal. I'm Walt McGough. And I'm Annie Cardi. Hi, Annie. Hi, Walt. Annie, what do we do on Crossover Appeal? On Crossover Appeal, we take two things that you could be fans of, um, like a book or movie or TV show, uh-huh. and um, cross them over, see where their worlds collide. Oh, man. Pow, yeah. pow. Yeah. Well, it's it's pretty cold out tonight, Annie. Burr. As you Win- just said. Winter is coming. I would say burr. It's cold in here. There must be some Tauros in Crossovers, the atmosphere. Some, some Yuris in the atmosphere. Yeah. Because what there are, are we, a, lo- a lot of Yuris. I was going to say, reading over the synopsis, I was like, huh, this is more Yuris than one might expect. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Annie, what are we talking about? Today we are crossing over Yuri on Ice and Game of Thrones. And it should really be Yuris on Ice. It's true. Because there are actually more than one Yuris. The AP style guide. Yes. <laughs> should really update that. <laughs> As well as how many exclamation points in this title? It's three. It's literally Yuri on ice. Yuri on ice. Yes. Tell us about it. Okay. So um, <laughs> it's amazing. Yuri on ice is an anime about a the competitive world of figure skating centered around one young male figure skater looking for a comeback. Um, it aired in 2016. With about 12, with exactly, excuse me, 12 episodes. Uh, give or take. Yeah, you know, but yeah. a follow-up they movie. They were the lost episodes. Well, the follow-up movie is in the works. Okay. So right now we're at about 12. <laughs> 12 <laughs> and a half. Also, there was the director's cut where they just swear all the time. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, actually, I would love to see like out to animated outtakes for Yuri. Oh, like a Pixar style? Yeah, exactly. Reel? Yes. Yeah. Oh my god, that'd be so adorable. <laughs> um, so yeah, please get on that animation team. Maybe in the credits of the movie. We don't know. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah. Um, so anyway, the TV show uh, received critical and popular acclaim, receiving um, awards at the Tokyo Anime Award Festival and having the second highest combined Blu-ray and DVD sales of any anime in Japan for 2017. Critical and popular acclaim. It's, it's That's like it's, running the acclaim table. It is. It's like you won um, both your technical and style scores in figure skating. Like you did oh, it so I beautifully, see. but you also did all your jumps perfectly. But you see, Annie, I don't understand that because I have not heard the synopsis about Yuri on That's Ice That's true. Yet. But you know it's I about... I mean, I'm guessing that there's ice involved. I already said it's about a figure skater. Oh, you did say it's about a figure skater. Yeah. You're right. I'm sorry. I wasn't paying attention. No. <laughs> I'm sorry. There's a lady talking. <laughs> oh, uh. no. Wait a second. That really took a turn. I mean, I'm just saying. What? We escalated. You weren't, you weren't listening to me. That's true. It yeah. wasn't because you weren't a lady, though. Oh. Why was it? I'm sleepy. Okay, that's allowed. <laughs> um, so the story follows 23-year-old figure skater Yuri Katsuki, who has recently had a total failure of a skating season, including an epically bad Grand Prix final. Um, Yuri is plagued by anxiety and the stress of a sport that burns through young athletes. So this is not a Grand Prix car final, it's like, a, like it, beep beep driving around. It's 
Beep, beep, I'm on the ice. Oh, man. With the Vidalka <laughs> dog. I think that's what the Zamboni driver plays. Oh, I bet he does. Beep, beep. Beep, beep. His, his hit single, <laughs> Beep, beep, I'm on the ice. <laughs> they see me rolling. They <laughs> Yeah, he you know he has fun. It's, he he has a good time out there. He does. He's doing his thing. Yeah, some people just go just to see him. It's, yes, there's got to be at least one. I mean, like Mister and Mrs. or Mrs. Zamboni. Yeah, and the, the kids, the Zambonis, the Zamboni family. Yeah, yeah. It's a good job for you. Anyway, yeah. Yuri's not having a good time. Oh no! So he returns home to Japan and skates in private at his friend's rink, um, doing the same uh, routine that figure skating superstar Victor. Nikivarov performed. Yuri doesn't realize he's being secretly filmed by his friend's kids, and the video goes viral. Oh, man, social media is... I know, right? It's mm-hmm. The kids are all Snapchatting yeah. the snaps. Millennials. And, yeah, right? They're, they're killing the sad ice skating business. Yeah, the angsty ice skates. <laughs> yeah, sad, lonely ice skating. Um, but... Victor sees the video and then travels to Yuri's home, offering to coach Yuri and bring him back to figure skating success. Oh, way to go, Victor. And yeah, Victor right. is not, like, super old, right? No, like, he's, he, he's he a just recent, retired. Yeah. Um, so he's only a few years older than Yuri, but he's, like, a real big deal. He's a very distinguished gray, though. He is. He's got that <laughs> silver fox look. Yeah, he's like young Roger Sterling. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, you know, it's an anime, so you can yeah. have whatever color hair exactly. you want. Yeah, everybody has access to plentiful dyes. And and Victor is such a sass factory. Like, he's Yay. just so confident and, like, naked half the time. <laughs> Um, so Victor had actually also promised a, or had also promised young Russian figure skater uh, Yuri Plasetsky that he would choreograph a routine for him. So we've got Russian Yuri, we've got Japanese Yuri. Hey, Victor's got a thing for Yuris. He does. You know, the man knows what he wants. Yeah, right. What he wants and, is figure you know, skaters named Yuri. Yeah, and they're both great. Yeah. So there you um, go. He knows how to pick them. So both Yuris compete for Victor to see who Victor will end up coaching Ooh. and uh, choreographing for. Um, Japanese Yuri wins, nice. leaving Russian Yuri to return to Russia to his old coach oh, um, in a little angry huff. Because he's a little... He, I he's think a little angry huffman? He's a little angry huffman. Like, he's like 15 years old, so he's like very new on the figure skating oh, scene, but he's very impressive. And like, he, his nickname is Yurio, which I feel like, I think it might be some kind of pun for like a baby tiger. Either in Japanese or Russian, because he Mm -hmm. like gets this tiger shirt, and then that's all people will call him, and he's like angry about it. So he's like a he's like a really mean little cat. Oh, but he's so little Yuri. You'll have time to be the the best Yuri. Yeah, he will. He's got many years of Yuri too ahead of him. Years ahead. Um. So Yuri Katsuki trains with Victor and finds that he's growing as an artist and an athlete. Um, his feelings for Victor are also evolving mm-hmm. during his training as he gets to know Victor more as a person and less as a figure skating god. That always helps. Yeah, right. Um, so lots of training, lots of competition mm-hmm. stuff. Um, and Yuri ends up competing for a spot at the Grand Prix Finals in Barcelona, uh, skating against several other top level figure skaters from across the country or across other countries. Um, we get to see a little of their stresses and feelings as well. Oh, nice. So at the Grand Prix Finals, Yuri must deal with his feelings of love for Victor, fear that his coach will leave him after the season is over, and the pressure to skate the best he's ever skated. Feelings! Oh, such feelings. Such feelings! Yeah. Um, 
So for characters, we have Yuri Katsuki, a Japanese figure skater who initially finds it difficult to compete under pressure and who learns the value of who he is as a skater and who he is as a young gay man. Mm. Um, his family also runs a hot springs resort. It's a good business. I know, right? I'm feeling if you're a figure skater, then like all you want to do, I'm sure, is come home and like go in the, in the, hot, the springs. hot springs. Yeah. And then your family's like, no, this is a business. You pay. Yeah, right? Or like, you go upstairs or, to your or, room. Or you go figure skate real well. That's true. And One of the two. money. Yeah. No, this family is very nice. Oh, good. Um, there's Viktor Nikiforov, a Russian figure skater who recently left the competition side of skating and offers to coach Yuri. Um, he's outspoken and charming, just like real easygoing in his life and yet very demanding as a coach. So, Do they explain why he left skating? I think he's just like was done with it. He yeah. had like gotten all the gold medals and decided like that was going to be the end of his career. Mm-hmm. He um, received public and critical acclaim. Exactly. He's like, well, that's as far as I can go. Yeah. And then he's like, wait, I can I can be great at another thing. Yeah, I'm going to be great at all the things. Things, especially uh, love. Exactly. Mostly love. Yay. Um, there is Yuri Plisetsky, a little spark plug of a Russian figure skater. Um, he's making his senior debut and is desperate to impress. <laughs> he's a total Slytherin, but a little cinnamon roll deep down. Aw, Yuri number two. I know. Um, there is Yuko and Takeshi uh, Nishiguri. Uh, Yuki's childhood friends who own a skating rink in their hometown and who have figure skating obsessed triplet daughters. Holy cow. Yeah. Three for three. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah. Get they're out named, there. Get them out on the ice. They're named like Axel, Loop, and Lutz. Oh, man. So they were destined They're for like this. real figure skating family. Yeah. Um, there's Jakob Feltzman, um, Russian Yuri's coach and Victor's old coach. Mm. Um, he's a real hardcore Russian figure skating guy. Yeah. Like that's, yeah, that's what they got He's there. like the Iceland coach in Mighty Ducks Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I know what and you're not, talking not, about. Not like a bad person, but just like very hard. Oh, In yeah. Russia, we skate, that yeah. kind of thing. We skate, we yeah. no smile. No, we no smile. We work very hard and yeah. we skate the best. We skate like bear. Yeah. But like beautiful bear. Beautiful, graceful bear. Yes. With claws. There's Celestino Cialdini, uh, uh, Yuri's former coach, who continues to encourage Yuri, even though they have separated professionally. Oh, Which good is, job. Like, yeah. Um, there's Fischit, um, I'm probably mispronouncing his name. I should have looked it up back, looked back up. Um, There's a lot of names Nantes, going on. A, and he's a Thai figure skater who's probably Yuri's best friend. Um, like they kind of came up together on the figure skating scene. Mm. And he's a total cutie and he works really hard and is really excited to be the first Thai figure skater at the Grand Prix. Oh. And at one point we see him with a few little um, hamsters. So he also Aww. has hamsters. He's a lover of skating He's, and hamsters. Yeah, right. Do the hamsters skate? Not yet. But that I seems ass- like a missed opportunity. Well, I assume they will in the movie. That's true. We got the movie coming out and they've coming. got to pad that time somehow. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, there is Jean-Jacques, a.k.a. J.J. Leroy, a Canadian figure skater who's a real full of himself. Canadians. I know, right? That's the thing. Oh, I our prime minister so... is great. Oh. Yeah, right? We live in a magic land. <laughs> yeah, universal healthcare. Just... But like, I, I feel like I would have almost expected this to be like the, the American stereotype of uh-huh. like, oh man, I'm so great. I'm best. Everybody loves JJ. He has his <laughs> own like JJ style thing. <laughs> but like, again, I'm, that so seems so not Canadian to me. But maybe it's because figure skating, like, again, like that's such a thing in Canada. Yeah. Like, I think it's similar to like hockey able... players. Yeah, like, exactly. The Canadian like, hockey you're players a real are like... superstar. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, that's JJ, <laughs> but oh, JJ. I mean, he puts his money where his mouth is. He's a real good figure skater. Yeah. And that's a hard move on the ice, putting your money where yeah, your mouth right? is. Yeah, right. 
Because you're Gotta spinning around that out. much. Yeah. Your pockets are tiny because you're in those tights. Yeah, you're in real tight pants. Yeah. Put that right in your... In your right um, in the mouth. Yeah. Or where your mouth... It really just where your mouth is. So is it like he's just rubbing the money on the face? <laughs> no. It'd be, it'd be in his mouth. Okay. Because he has to hold on to it when he's jumping and spinning. Oh, that's true. He has to hold on to it somehow. Yeah. There's um, Christoph uh, Giacometti, a Swiss, Swiss figure skater who's had a good-natured rivalry with Victor. So he's one of the older figures, you know, older being like in his late 20s right. figure skater. Um, he's known for his sexy skating. Ooh, sass skater. Right? Um, there's Otebek Alt- Alton, um, a skater from Kazakhstan, who's more reticent than the other skaters, but works really hard. Um, and he knows Russian Yuri from when they were young and trained together. Mm. Um which I find really interesting considering, like, the, you know, the relationship of, like, Russia in that kind of, like, m- you know, Middle Eastern, Asian Oh, yeah, the sort where of it's, like, Russian colonialism yeah. side of things. Yeah, and it was like, oh, yeah, like, I didn't even think about that as, like, a, a tie for, like, potential athletes. Yeah. And, like, that, again, like, international relationship outside of, like, just... You know, real weird colonialism. Yeah, and it seems like the show is definitely interested in international crossover. Yeah, and... which is really cool. I think a thing that I find very appealing about the show. Um, mm-hmm. And there are a lot of other figure skaters like um, Guan Hongji from China, Michelle uh, Crispino from Italy, Kenjiro um, Minami, who's also from Japan, um, Seung Gil Lee from South Korea, and you know several more. Um, but like again, this has a very expansive view of like all these international figure skaters coming together. Cool. Um, So some themes of the show, we've got uh, the emotional stress of competition. Um, So before his training and competitive season with Victor, Yuri is overwhelmed by the pressures of competition um, and feels like he's letting down the people he loves and that he's worthless as a figure skater and should just like give it up. Um, But in like in a world that demands the so much from his, um, in a world that demands so much from like the young people who are kind of working it mm-hmm. and you know and your career only lasts so long like i found myself so drawn to that part of the story because like yeah. it's a thing that is very obvious it's like professional dancing like you've got a real short shot at it mm-hmm. um and i really liked seeing a story about figure skating that really dealt with that that it was like no he's not like the 15 year old coming up like yeah. he's toward the end of his career if he doesn't make a move now he's just gonna be out yeah and i feel like uh dealing with figure skating especially feels like it opens that opportunity up even more because i feel like that's a specter that hangs over all sports yeah but figure skating is also so much about aesthetics oh totally it's like it's aging in every sense yeah it's not even like well his face looks like hamburger but he can still play football yeah, right? it's like no you need to present and yeah. you need to be seen as youthful well, and also virile being agile and strong mm-hmm. and being able to like really commit yourself to the training yeah. all the time which is a lot exactly um and yeah, like Yuri's experiencing like legit anxiety and depression regarding his art and career. Um, Especially because like you spent your whole life training to do oh, this one yeah, thing. Yeah, like and starting training when you're a child. It's mm-hmm. not even like, oh, I'm going to be a doctor. I right. did well in science. I mean, I went to pre-med in college. It's like, no, you you started training for this when you were like probably like a real little kid. Mm-hmm. And your career is going to be over by the time you're 30. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like legitimate concerns for Yuri. Um, but by working with Victor, Yuri learns that he is a strong competitor and that his skating has real value and that he can totally go after what he wants. Go get it, Yuri. Go get it, Yuri. 
Um, another theme is that love makes us stronger. Just as Yuri is trying to find himself as an athlete and as an artist, he's also trying to um, understand his sexual identity. So he's crushed on Victor as a skater and as a man for, you know, years. And um, Victor helps him become stronger as a skater. So Yuri also finds out that his skating is powered by the love that he has for Victor. I know, right? It's like real, like I am literally skating for Victor. Yeah. And, um... Like Yuri, like finding that passion on the ice. Mm-hmm. Um, and in turn, Victor finds out that he hasn't made any like emotional commitments because he's been busy competing and training, but he realizes that he wants to commit to Yuri as a romantic partner and as a coach. Yeah. And uh, I mean, it's lovely. And obviously, like, they're close in age. So, but like, and not to get too, like, hashtag topical, yeah. but I feel like, especially in the current climate around like Olympic sports in the yeah. US, it's like, it's, Nice to see a reflection of the kind of positive mentorship relationship yeah. that athletes can have with their coaches. And obviously Yuri like, takes it to the next level. Oh, yeah. But like the idea that it's not, I feel like the preponderance of narrative right now is all about the victimization, the really horrible oh, victimization yeah. like the, that can happen. The abuse of young right. like athletes. athletes. yeah, And people who are giving everything they have to this career or this sport like that, that is taking just, things oh, from yeah. them. But it's nice to see that like, you know, there's also... There are a lot of other sides to that story as well. Yeah, and like especially here as Yuri is someone. This is not again not his first time at the rodeo. Right, he's um, he's older. Yeah, Victor's younger. Yeah, um, and yeah, they're they're very close to the same age. Yeah, um, and Yuri is again looking for that kind of comeback, and mm-hmm. he is kind of able to do so now having the support of someone he trusts and someone who believes in him and who helps him believe in himself. Right. And it, that it gets to be a reciprocal relationship yeah. as opposed to a, like, again, a victimizing. Or yeah. A, and just like, whatever, know. I'm a famous coach. I'm going to use you. Right. And You're going to go on. through this content mill of whatever. Yeah. So, I mean, not to veer off yeah, too, uh, too much down. out of the happiness, but it's just, it's nice to see yeah. like they're a positive reflection of this sport and oh, of, totally. of sports like this. And I think overall, like this, you know, they have obviously it's competition, like it's real high stress, but mm-hmm. like, there are also a lot of really nice moments among the skaters themselves. Yeah. Um, like, it really is a, a community. Um, and I think, like, as much as it is, like, a competitive sport, it is also, like, it's this whole world, and it's the only world you know when you're in it, mm-hmm. and you all get that. Yeah. Um, so it's, like, they'll all, like, there's one episode where they're, you know, at, um, like, the night before competition, and they, like, all go out to dinner together. Aww. And it's real fun and cute, and you're like, yeah, that's kind of what would happen. Yeah, because, like, nobody else gets what you're going yeah, through. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, well, I'm not, like, I can't, I'm doing my routine, even though we're competing against each other. It's like... You are not doing your routine at the same time. Like I can only do it the best I can do it, and you can only do it the best you can. You can do it. Right. We're not gonna try to mess each other up. Yeah. It's just about like, yeah, you go do you, I'll go do me, and we'll see what happens. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um. So that bleeds really into things I like and things other people will like. In Segways. That, yeah. Right. It's a really fantastic look at the world of competitive figure skating. Um, so uh, professional figure skater Johnny Weir um, says that it's actually really similar to what professional skaters deal with. So it's not just like, oh, yeah, we're doing, you know, so often like movie versions of professions get them really wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like Johnny Weir is a good reference point for oh, every aspect of totally. the show. <laughs> um, and he apparently he's like, no, that the hotel that they're staying at in Russia looks just like the hotel we all stay at when we're doing 
like some competitions no in Russia. Yeah, like they did their research. That's awesome. So yeah, it's either whether you're new to figure skating or you're obsessing over who's going to four continents, you will love the world of Yuri on Ice. Nice. Um, also, it's a happy gay story. Yay. Like so many stories about like LGBTQ experiences. Sadly, not happy. Absolutely, I we were lo- we were having this conversation yeah, today, like even trying to think about recommendations. recommendations. Like, I love that it's a literal romantic sports comedy, mm-hmm. and like it's it's so joyous in so many ways. Yeah. Um, that's really great. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And it is, it is something that I feel like is happening more in media now, yes. but is still, I mean, I feel like it's still whenever you see a gay relationship in a popular, a piece of popular media, uh, it's like 50, 50 these days of whether oh. it's going to be a positive one or like one of them's going to die as yeah. soon as they sleep oh, together. Totally. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's, I like that it's not necessarily like, like Yuri's not like wrestling with his sexual identity, but mm-hmm. he's just kind of like coming to terms with the fact that like he can like he is worthy of love and he is and he can go after the things he wants whether that's yeah. a victor or whether that's like the gold medal mm-hmm. um and uh, the characters again so fantastic like i love everyone from yuri to victor to russian yuri to uh Fitchett to the ridiculous jj oh jj jj those canadians i know right jj style <laughs> i'm just trying not to fall in love with this cast i refuse to try to not fall in love with them yes i demand to fall in love with yes. them <laughs> and like oh my god whenever i would hear the theme song i just like my heart would swell yeah you were in a very very happy state of mind while watching this show oh, totally i You're like right. i real hardcore binge this yes it was i feel like you were about it was about two days total yeah and then you were done but you were smiling the whole time oh, it was so great i love it <laughs> thank you to uh beth and josh friends of the podcast for helping me see this yay well uh take all those happy wonderful warm time sparkles and tamp them down yep. into the bloody mud and it, snow these really are the it's like yeah. you know whatever grim dark versus um what did we decide the opposite of grim dark was oh, snuffle puff or something <laughs> yeah, right <laughs> snuffle pants snuggle lumps yeah um yeah so let's take a trip to the world of game of thrones cue heavy metal music i guess well. or intense classical music anyway. yeah right there you go yeah Game of Thrones, uh, or if you're a nerd, A Song of Ice and Fire, uh, is an epic and as-of-yet-unfinished fantasy tale written by George R.R. R. Martin, um, beginning with the first book, which was called A Game of Thrones, uh, in 1996, um, with each book thereafter taking longer and longer than the last one to come out. Um, the current apparent plan is for the series to be ultimately a seven-book series, but we're still waiting on book number six, and book five came out in 2011, six years years after book four um so i'll be honest guys things aren't things are looking kind of grim <laughs> um yeah yeah this is basic so you know how the show is known for like you can't love any characters oh is there is there a show die. is there a television show or whatever no uh, that was my my next okay. point was there's apparently also a television adaptation um and my third point is we're going to talk about both of them together because at this point the television show and the books have both merged and diverged from each other in really fascinating ways. So it's very hard to talk about one without the other. Yeah. So we're talking about Game of Thrones as, as a, a, as as a cultural object. Yeah, because actually, like, it would be weird to talk about it 
like we're going to talk about Game of Thrones the movies and then or the TV show and then talk about Game of Thrones the books at a later right. date because they are most of the same characters. Yeah, especially the stuff that we're going to talk. I mean, we're going to give because it's a big, huge fantasy epic with a huge sweeping storyline and billions of characters. Yeah. Like we're given the basic setup and the basic setups are the same. Yeah. Um, for that. So. Uh, so, yeah, I think uh, we're talking about Game of Thrones, the cultural object and dare I say phenomenon. 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 Game of the Thrones. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's real popular is what I'm saying. Um, uh, as I've said a couple times now, it's a big story. There's a lot of plot to set up and a whole lot of characters to meet. But um, we'll give you the basic gist and then we'll be off to the races. Um, yeah, I have read all of the books. Annie has read the first book at my behest. And yep, then I sure did. She didn't want to read anymore, but has watched the show. Yeah. So. in way like i i have various issues with the books and the shows all of which are completely valid and well founded yeah it's this is a show that you have issues that, that i don't think it's possible to experience the show the show or the books without having issues with them um but it's and it's about like personal barometer and comfort level and like yeah there's no i don't think there's a way to experience it uncritically yeah, and at this point, I do want to see what happens. Yeah. Like, I'm I'm just going to ride this wave. Yeah, it has strengths, it has weaknesses, it has a lot of both. Um, but I yeah. think it's what partly makes it interesting. And I think that's something very endemic to high fantasy as a genre yes. um, across all uh, all of the major canon of it. Um, mostly because it is mostly dudes. and Dudes taking long walks. Dudes on walks. The genre. Um, but anyway, Game of Thrones, this particular long walk, begins in the fantasy nation of Westeros, which is a vaguely British Isles-esque uh, nation, um, except for the part where it stretches pretty much from the far Arctic north of the planet all the way down to the arid desert lands of the south. Um, on this continent are the Seven Kingdoms, which is a feudal society whose borders are constantly shifting, but which in theory are ruled over by a single monarchic family, the Targaryens. Um, George R. R. Martin based a lot of the events and history of the book off of the British War of the Roses, which is when the, uh, the Lancaster and York families were sort of trading off power over the British Isles back and forth for a long time. And you got a lot of great courtly intrigue going on. So a lot of that got modeled into Game of Thrones. Um, when the books open, we are a scant few decades removed from a big shakeup in the longstanding order of the Seven Kingdoms. Um, most of the main adult characters of the books have particularly Participated in a rebellion 20 years ago, which overthrew the sort of main ruling family, the Targaryens, and installed a new king, Robert Baratheon, um, on the Iron Throne. I'm sure that would work out well. Yeah, it's, it's it goes fine. great. It goes Everything great for everybody. Great. Rebel king. Oh, he's also a drunk and kind of a jerk. Um, but the book series mostly follows the Starks. Um, they are a hale and hearty northern family uh, whose patriarch, Ned, is basically the typical heroic fantasy dude of honor. Um, he is absolutely 100% a capital A archetype, and the books have 
a lot of, I guess, fun's the word with that, that idea. Is that what we're doing? That's the word. Yeah. A lot of fun. Oh, sure. Um, Maybe, yeah. I guess the book has fun with it. Yeah. Ned does not Ned have does fun. Ned does not. Um, Ned is summoned to the capital to serve as the head advisor or hand to King Robert um, since the two go way back and are good friends. And in making that move from his sort of ancestral home up north down to the capital in the south, he embroils himself and his whole family in a web of intrigue, murder, and weirdly spelled words that he is in no way equipped to handle um, he's like my name is ned i spell that n-e-d n-e-d well it's it's edard but oh. uh, <laughs> with two d's e-d-d-a-r-d that's d's. why he was like i'm gonna be ned i'm ned. a simple Just guy ned. i'm a Just simple man with simple tastes i'm sure i'll do fine yep i um, say what i mean and i mean what i say <laughs> <laughs> and I can't anticipate any consequences from either of those yep. things. <laughs> totally normal. Yep. Um, the warring families of Westeros vie for power amidst various tragedies and other events. Uh, and sooner rather than later, the whole nation is embroiled in a big civil war that has all kinds of twisty, turny allegiances and betrayals and stuff. Um, through it all, the surviving Targaryen heiress Daenerys, which is actually hard to say altogether, um, yeah, is, right. <laughs> she she's overseas where she has been since she was a little baby and her family got deposed and she escaped um, or was, was escaped yeah, right. with. She was escaped yeah. with. It was like, um, what was it, the Baby's Day Out movie? It was exactly like Baby's Day Out. She was walking along a construction beam exactly. and just happened to fall into a boat that was headed out yep, east. just kept crawling. <laughs> but now that she has come of age, she is marshalling her own forces to return and take what's hers. Um, also, she has dragons. Um, Anything with dragons gets my vote. Yeah, absolutely. Annie is firmly team dragon. Um, but yeah, the, we sort of watch these. You can be team blank or team blank. It's sort of like the dark, gritty universe version of Hogwarts houses, where uh, you have these major ruling houses of Westeros, um, and each of them have their full cast of characters um, in embroiled in all sorts of events. So Daenerys is out east. The Starks are trying to hold things together at the capital. Um, oh, also there are zombies, um, ice zombies specifically, um, in a very weird sort of fantasy tale sort of climate change metaphor that never really holds together all that much, but is still interesting. Um, the far northern reaches of Westeros are threatened by an amassing army of the dead who have historically been held back by this giant magic ice wall, but are now, as the book's begin showing signs of new organization and plans. Um, so there's this sort of looming threat way up north that everybody involved in the books spends a lot of time basically ignoring because they've got all like, their own stuff to worry and about. And also, at least from, again, what I remember, it's like, oh no, that's not really real. Those are like fairy tales. Yeah. Like, a, they're... There's it's been allowed to fall into ice legend. zombies and dragons, and everybody's like, uh-huh, wink. Yeah. yeah, Grammy told me that one, too. Yeah, and it deals a lot with, um, I mean, not a lot with, but the weather patterns of Westeros are such that no one actually ever knows how long a season will last. So when the book begins, it they have been embroiled in an incredibly long summer, basically, of like this time of fertile lands and happy times and all of that, even though they've been fighting during it. Um, the weather has been like livable and uh, the phrase of how stark is winter is coming um, because this idea that when winter does come, no one actually knows how long it's going to last. And so uh, throughout the books, we're dealing with the run up to a winter that everybody's worried is going to be very, very, very long indeed with zombies. Yeah. So, so yeah. It's like a couple of years ago in Boston. 
Yeah, exactly. It's the sm- uh, snowmageddon. Yeah, right. Um, so yeah, I think uh, that's the sort of basic overall overarching blueprint of the series. Um, the books themselves are told chapter by chapter from specific character viewpoints, which allows Martin to have a lot of fun and exercise a lot of power over sort of who knows what and when. Um, he pulls some, you know, surprise twists on the reader because we're getting unreliable information from unreliable uh, perspective ca- characters. Um But it also lets him toy a lot with audience sympathies. Um, A lot of characters who we start the book series um, encouraged to see as purely antagonistic um, wind up getting deepened and more nuanced once we see things from their perspective and start to learn about their their personal histories and messed up tragic backstories. Um, And at the same time, viewpoints of characters that we are immediately drawn to and supposed to sympathize with can often uh, hide big mistakes and complications that the characters are making. We're we're getting things told from their perspective, so we're not necessarily seeing the ways in which they are getting um, messed up due to their own mistakes. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, Martin plays around a lot with that. Um, Characters. Oh, my gosh. You guys, there are so many characters in Game of Thrones. How many Yuris are there? No Yuris yet. Not a single Yuri. But they are. A lot of them are on ice. That's true. Um, <laughs> but uh, one of the interesting parts of the books um, and the show, I think, has managed to, at least in the early seasons, managed to echo this pretty effectively. But in the books, um, all of the viewpoint characters, except for Ned, who, again, is like Mr. Fantasy heroic man, um, all of the viewpoint chapters that we get in the books are the perspectives of marginalized people in the society. So we get the bastards, um, the women, children, and differently abled people. Um, We get the story told almost exclusively from the perspective of people who are kind of kept outside of the standard story structure. And I think Martin actually uses that to pretty effective ends to show um, the scope of the events that are happening, Uh, not just on the people who we might expect the story to be about, but on all sorts of other people as well. Um, Speaking of who those people are, in House Stark, we've got Ned, uh, he is a very earnest man in a world full of intrigue. He is played by Sean Bean in the show. Oh, I'll let no. you do the math of how things wind up for him. Uh, He's a bee. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's just a bunch of bees. Just a bunch of bees all together. <laughs> oh, Ned. Uh, we got his kids. There is Rob Stark, oldest son, hunky and honorable and just like his pa, but younger. Um, Arya Stark. She is spunky and little and tomboyish and is played by Maisie Williams. Who's and, adorable. And likes sword fighting and is great. Um, there is her sister, Santa, um, who is courtly and idealistic and very sort of princessy and learns a lot of hard lessons early in the show. Gets treated, I think, much more fully and and better in the show than in the books, um, which is the case. I feel like there are a lot of characters for whom it's a split either way. Some of them fare a lot better as characters just in the way in their characterization and strength of characterization in the books, and many of them uh, fare way better on the show. I think as a benefit of strong performers. Oh yeah, like I think um, one of the benefits of the show is that you have these actors who can really find a lot of depth in characters who maybe mm. aren't given that depth in the books. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and especially since the books get locked into specific perspectives, oh, we're yeah. always getting other characters' ideas of a lot of these people. But um, but Sansa is somebody. Uh, Sansa, along with Cersei, who we'll talk about in a minute, um, are two characters who I think the books never quite grasp as full characters, yeah. even though they get perspective chapters. Um, they're they're two people. Uh, they're two women who I think Martin never quite manages to crack 
despite having interesting ideas about them, I think he never finds their voice in a way that makes them as compelling as they are in the show. Um, there's Bran Stark. He's tiny and crippled and maybe psychic. Um, seems like it. Yeah, you know. Sure. And then there's Rickon Stark, the youngest Stark child who both the book and the show forget for just literal years at a time. The other one. The other one. <laughs> um, there is Caitlin Stark, Ned's wife and the matriarch of the family. She's very badass in her own right and eight million times smarter than her husband and most of her kids. Um, and then there is Jon Snow. John, just J-O-N. No H's here. No. Um, not in the North. Um <laughs> Why would we need those extra H's? Exactly. We, we need those for the winter. Anything. We're yeah. stockpiling them. Um, but yeah, John is uh, a bastard uh, son of Ned um, as the show opens and is sort of dealing with all the angst that comes with that. Um, and he's very broody and sad. Uh, he knows nothing and everybody lets him know it all the time. Oh, man. Um, and then there's the dire wolves. They Yay! each have dire wolves. Nymeria, Ghost, Grey Wind, Summer, and Shaggy Dog. <laughs> uh, they have a rough time of it on the show, mostly because of CGI well, prices. don't they have a rough time of it in the books? Yeah, but they get more face time in the books, at least. The okay. show uses them very minimally because they're oh, apparently yeah. incredibly expensive yeah, to, right. to create. Um, but yeah, they have a rough I mean, time of it all over. Yeah, right. I know at least a few in the books who did not yeah. end up. The show has, the show to this point has killed more direwolves than the books, but that may partly be because the show has now advanced beyond the books. Yeah. So who knows what Martin's planning? Yeah, right. Um, maybe the same wolves will die in even more terrible ways. Oh. Um, then, so that's House Stark. We've also got House Lannister. Boo. Ew. They're the baddies. It's the, the um, Malfoys. Yeah, they're basically the Malfoys. Yeah. Uh, evil, incestuous Malfoys. Ew. Uh, well, I know, right? Um, there's Cersei Lannister, uh, who, like I said, is much better served on the show than in the books. Um, there is Jamie, her brother slash lover. Um, who I think is served better in the books than on the show. Oh. Um, yeah, the show just kind of runs out of things for him to do because of the yeah. way that the plotting changes, yeah. whereas in the books he gets to be a little more active. Um, there is little brother Tyrion, uh, played by Peter Dinklage on the show. Oh, he dang. He's the best in the book or the show or any media for um, I mean, having read the first book, I was real glad to see Peter Dinklage on the show because I didn't. I was not a fan of Tyrion in the book. Really? Yeah, I just thought he was really obnoxious. Oh, he's definitely that. Yeah, so I had no interest in him. But he, then I was like, Peter Dinklage, you're full of charm. Yeah, and I think that that charm and intelligence comes through in the second book in a way that's very yeah. strong. But um, you don't have to read it. Don't worry. No, thank God. <laughs> um, there's their dad, Tywin Lannister, just bad dad of the year. Um, while being a super expert tactician. Um, and then there's all the Lannister kids, but who cares because they're all terrible and they are destined to die, we are literally told, by a witch in Cersei's past. Um, I know. We've got the Targaryens, uh, Daenerys, the Dragon Queen, um, her terrible brother who is terrible for a while and then isn't around anymore. <laughs> no one cares about yeah, him. nobody cares. Um, her Jorah Mormont, her loyal vassal and just like Mr. Friendzone. Oh, <laughs> um, Mr. Nice Guy. Mr. Nice Guy. Uh, there's Grey Worm, the eunuch badass. Um, there is Cal Drogo, Daenerys' first husband, a hunky embodiment of the book's very complicated and uncomfortable sexual politics. Um, this is an aspect of the books that I think yeah. gets figured out later on. Um, there, I mean, one of the, one MO and, and ding against the books, especially the show as well, mm. uh, are that the sexual politics are very fraught. There's a lot of casual references to rape. Yeah. Um, in the sh I think this is actually an area where I think... Uh, Especially after the first book, the books handle it way better than the show um, yeah. because it just sort of 
uh, it doesn't depict it ever. And yeah. it gets, it still hangs in the air, I think, because people very... still feel like, oh, it's a medieval setting. It ha- they got to have know, rape right? all the time. It's, it's um, rape culture central. Yeah. But uh, I think the show has... It's HBO, so it's yeah. like, oh, we need to make this on screen. Right. This is the show that invented the word sex position. So yeah. there's um, problematic treatment of female bodies um, and, throughout but the But I mean, I think a ding for me against the books and reading the first one is that the, the female characters are young, very young. Oh, like, yeah. Daenerys oh, yeah. is like... 13. No, the whole Daenerys plotline is way fraught in both the show and the book. It's way fraughter in the books. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's blah, very uncomfortable. Um, and it's one of those things where he knows it's supposed to be uncomfortable, but also doesn't do anything to mitigate right. or end around yeah, that. Yeah, like you're not making a comment about it and like really delving yeah. into like child sex slavery. So, yeah. like, why you're just doing this to be like fantasy ish. Yeah. I don't know if it makes it. Better or worse, that I think Martin is much more thoughtful about sexual violence and women's body and and treatment of women's bodies in the books and their implications. But it doesn't mean that he handles them better. I think he just thinks about it more, whereas a lot of the HBO series is very careless about it. Oh, definitely. Um, I agree about that. I just, I think, I don't think from my my reading the one book Mm -hmm. like that i just think he's not thinking about it that much i think he's taking it almost for granted that it's a part of a setting the setting yeah for sure Um, but like hbo was like woohoo how many boobs can we have yeah i think martin thinks he's thinking how many ladies are bad at navigating it yeah anyway it's fraught but um uh, it's again it's one of those things where ultimately if in the balance the storytelling and the intrigue and the the sheer entertainment manages to get you past that it's not like it's in every single moment there are just a couple of very big moments that are awkward um so those are the characters some the main characters then there's also everybody else in the world which is like 400 people uh there's renly baratheon remember him stannis baratheon the party pooper to end all party poopers (laughs) there's sir davos seaworth just kind of a nice guy former pirate who's in way over his head there's melisandra the red witch um there is sam a heavyset homebody loyal best friend to the adventuring hero except this one isn't a hobbit um (laughs) yeah he is named sam is named sam as an homage to samwise gamgee in lord of the rings it doesn't help that he's basically the same character well not Um, as cool no, not as cool and a little bit more of a book bookworm. And um, like whinier? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I love Samwise Gamgee. Oh yeah, Gamgee, no, it's so. hard. Samwise Gamgee is a, is a hard act to follow. <laughs> There's Marjorie Tyrell, who is crazy underserved in the books. She's never a viewpoint character. She's always talked about by other characters. But then Natalie Dormer shows up and plays her on the show. I and love Natalie amazing. Dormer. Yes, she's so good. Um, and then there's 8,000 other folks who come and go and sometimes die unexpectedly. Natalie Dormer and Haley Atwell should be in a show together, too. Oh my gosh, they'd be so they, good. They should join, they should, Natalie Dormer can join that show with um, Eva Green. And um, and Haley Atwell that we invented in our oh yeah absolutely episode. yeah Natalie Dormer can come too yeah great It'll job great. guys yay um so yeah themes fun stuff um twisty turny crazy times I mean this is <laughs> this is That's like, the blurb yeah I mean Game of Thrones is fun largely because it has plotting that is unexpected um it is Martin is very willing to kill beloved characters in ways that can simultaneously sometimes feel cheap and also very deserved. I think he is not, especially in the books, the show I think sometimes 
sands down the edges. But Martin is somebody is an author who always shows his work when he kills off characters. You can generally look back retroactively and see how they wind up in the situations that they wound up that led to their deaths. That doesn't always make it that easier, but he does pull off some really amazingly shocking events um, when reading the books that I think mostly have translated well into the show. Um, it can tip a little more a little more in denialism than I usually like. So mm-hmm. which is why I think the end game, if it ever happens, is really going to matter. Um the books I think are building to something. The show is as well, but the show is now past the books. And so that leads to the next kind of fun thing to think about with Game of Thrones, which is the challenges presented when a TV show catches up to an unfinished book series that it's adapting. Um, I think the first few seasons of Game of Thrones are a pretty expert adaptation of this book series. They cut a lot of really smart things. They condense a lot of stuff intelligently. They make a lot of smart decisions. And the further they have gotten away from the books, I think the less effective they have gotten because they are, I think uh, David Benioff and D.B. Weiss are great adapters. They are not great writers. So I think the most recent seasons especially have felt a little bit like they got a Cliff's Notes list and are just checking off boxes to get to the end. But they're also racing against the clock while they have all the actors on contract. Yeah, and the actors are great. Like, I love this cast. Absolutely. And they're still bringing good performances and it's still a fun show to watch. It's just gotten markedly dumber um, in the last few seasons. And some real bad decisions. And like in terms of the the grim darkness of it like Mm -hmm. i'm hoping kind of like you that it's all building to this great ending Mm -hmm. but i'm also afraid that it's just going to be like you know and then the zombies come and kill everybody yeah exactly it's like well that's what you get for paying attention to your human things while there are zombies yeah at a certain point i think being known for being edgy and audience shocking can be a liability because you can't pull back from the edge but if they manage to i think it'll be incredibly satisfying yes um Some other thematic things that are in conversation in the book and the show, Um, the toll that war takes on the small folk of a kingdom, Mm -hmm. um, the book hits this point way harder than it probably needs to, especially in book four. There's just like hundreds of pages of walking around the the war-torn riverlands and seeing the sadness that is inflicted by war. But it's, I think the book renders it very effectively, this idea that like constant medieval feudalism um, isn't really all that great. And there's the this these ideas of honor and glory are very very upper crust high society ideas. And it's like if you're starving, it kind of that, doesn't matter who's yeah, paying. That you're like, well, I'm going to starve under you instead. Exactly. Um, and the sort of bringing in the perspectives of characters who have been marginalized by these systems and these types of stories. I think uh, Game of Thrones and Song of Ice and Fire are very in dialogue with fantasy epics as a genre and look to subvert them um, in pretty exciting and cool ways. But again, I think if Martin ever finishes the books, my hope is that he is building up to a broader point than just like, look at how dumb this stuff can be sometimes. You should or feel like, bad man, for liking things it. Or things are real grim. Yeah. Grr. I'm waiting for it to get out of the middle school phase. Um, yeah. I think that it will, but we'll see if he ever finishes the books. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> stick the landing, George, please. Or just make one. Honestly, at this point, just land. Um, so that was a whole lot of stuff. Yeah. Um, boy, where do these cross over? Um, so um, people from many different lands coming ah, together to compete. Internationalism. Inter- yes, exactly. Yep. yep. Um, Cross-cultural exchange. Yes. The um, 
the toll that these kinds of competitions can take mm -hmm. on humans. The pressure of the public eye. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Um, that's what I got. I think that's about it. Yeah, right. It's about where it goes. Yeah. Yeah. Can't think of a lot of other thematic relationships. No. Like these are, yeah, real different vibes here. Yeah. And I feel like we've did, we've gone pretty deep on the themes of both of them yeah. independently. So, yeah. yeah. Hey, how does this crossover happen? So, um, I mean, winter is coming. Yeah. Oh, it's coming. Yeah. So I'm going to say that in a world that has like real long winters, what are you, mm -hmm. you going to do in those winters? Yeah. You need to have some uh, some figures. I'm sure there are Westeros figure skaters. Oh, yeah. you got to have some levity. Yeah. Um, Somewhere in, in this series, yes, there has to be some levity. Dear Lord, please. <laughs> um, so I think um, with the coming of winter, mm -hmm. there is the coming of the the skating competition. Yes. The, the Grand Prix. The Great, the, the great, the great Westeros, Westeros Grand Prix. The Seven Kingdoms Grand Prix. Yes. Um, and But, you know, because it's Westeros, let's say that... Everything it's, is it's, terrible. Everything is terrible. So these are um, people who are competing for their, their clans, their, uh -huh. their families. Uh -huh. um, if you win... You get it's like Hunger Games, like you get a bunch of stuff. Okay. If you lose, you die. Yeah. Well, obviously. Yeah. There you go. Um, yeah, I feel like this competition is probably held, if not in close proximity to, maybe on top of the the wall. Yeah. Or I was thinking, like, if you maybe not die, but like you're sent to work at the wall ah, if you lose, because they know that you can move around on it fast. So yeah. You can like be patching stuff up. Yeah. Yeah. That would be unfortunate. Yeah, right. Yeah, I like that. Uh, nice ice skating competition. Yeah, and they're all so these are all guys, and mm -hmm. you have to be a dude to go work at the wall. Oh, that's true. So yeah, I think that and that all checks out. They don't care if there are no girls there. No, they don't care at all. Whatever. They're fine. They're yeah. fine with whatever. I, um, yeah, and so what I like about this is that you can then get the 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 tournament is described, of course, and so you get the. You know, on the Yuri on Ice side, you get really lovingly detailed and beautifully animated skating routines yeah. balanced by 40 pages of food description from yeah, George right? R. R. Martin. And we get to hear about how much gravy is on everything oh and like how people are eating their plums and all of that kind of thing. So I think that like, yeah, this is really balancing the two biggest strengths of each of these yes. shows. <laughs> Feasting and performance. And performance, yeah. So I think what kind of, I and mean, death. because the stakes are a little higher, yes. what kind of backstabbing politics can we work into this skating, this figure skating? Like, it can't just be like solo. I get out there and skate and do your No, do your but I'm thinking like if these are all like they're, they're tied to the different houses, mm -hmm. um, maybe like all the, this is like background intrigue going on like oh are, i see yeah. like in the locker room yeah and like maybe um, they all go they you know they all go out to dinner but the night before but then like then dies. the minstrels are playing and they shoot everybody yeah, up and right? it's the red wedding all over again yeah. yeah or like um the the rose family the churls uh -huh. like they're just poisoning people oh yeah left and right yeah right mm -hmm. the the baratheons are fighting they're just fighting they have big other. hammers that's yeah, about right. it yeah and the Starks are just like hanging out on the side like, no, please, everybody, be nice. Just, just sit down and talk to each other or something. I don't even yeah, care. Yeah. Oh, and then Arya's got like ninja ice skating skills, basically, because yeah. she's a trained assassin. Well, you know, so I'm going to say because Arya is, you know, the kind of like fantasy girl character who's like, I'm into swords, so yeah. I don't like dresses. Like if this is a society that 
like skating is very highly valued, would uh-huh. she be into skating instead of uh-huh. like swords? She gets blades either way. Yeah, exactly. And her kind of sword fighting is is referred to as water dancing. Oh, see, there you go. You know what ice skating is? It's just dancing on water. Exactly. The water happens to be frozen at <laughs> yeah, the time. Yeah, whatever. We didn't say it had to be water water. <laughs> this is a water dancing system. I know this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. Uh, so yeah, I think that like she discovers her love of water yes. dancing through the act of this of this performative yes. thing, and I think like Santa likes it because it's it's courtly it's elegant, yeah, and elegant. Um, John doesn't like it because he's broody. He's broody. He's like, all right, I'm just gonna I wear think my he's hoodie. Really good at it. Oh, of course, because John Snow's freaking good at everything. Yeah, he's like a Mary Sue. Well, he's well. I'll tell you what, he's not great at being the head of the watch. <laughs> he's not. Good. He's actually not good at anything. Yeah, he and really is. Just keep voting for. It. He's good at saying nice things. He's good at saying what's right. Man, is he, I mean, especially in the show, is he a terrible battle tactician? Oh my God, he's the worst. (laughs) The number of times he always gets everyone murdered and they keep putting him in charge. Yeah, right. Anywho. Yeah. um, Oh, what about Littlefinger? I think Littlefinger used to be a skater. Oh, yeah. And then like blew his knee out. Maybe he, um, he, like, I don't know. I want to say he didn't win, but he avoided murder somehow mm. and like has come back to take his revenge yeah i think he got injured like it maybe like he got his hamstring cut or something yeah. or like yeah like yeah so he's like he's bitter yeah he's real better oh, he's way bitter but he's <laughs> he puts it all into his skating <laughs> he just channels it yes <laughs> um so of course we need dragons oh that's how right. are you gonna work the dragons in here that's true um well I mean, dragons have talons. Talons. Yes. What are talons but nature's ice skates? <laughs> I've always said that. You have. And it's, you know, I've been meaning to talk to you about it because it's very annoying. <laughs> Morning, even night. Like, Would you like um, cream or milk with that? And I'm like, well, what are talons but nature's ice, ice skates? skates? And then they and just they're like, that one. doesn't mean anything. Yeah. Yeah, no, it, it gets a little old after a while. But, you know, I respect your commitment to the bit. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I think maybe that's like, like no one has seen a Targaryen in, in this ice skating competition yeah. for generations. Yeah. And then, you know, they're in the final like mix of com- of comp- competitors and a lot of people have been killed off and yep. there's only a few. And then suddenly through the massive dome of the arena <laughs> comes crashing fully sequined dragon. <laughs> With Daenerys on the back, waving a ribbon around. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe they're the first pair skating. (gasps) Yay! They revolutionized the sport. See, this is what I want. Dragon queen pair skating. Dragons, ice skates, dancing, girls. Like, that's it. That's what I want. That's it. That that is everything that Annie wants from life. That's it. In one little box. Plot is irrelevant. So yeah, they win. Yeah. Obviously. Uh, yeah, I, I like this. I like yeah, this. I think this works. Yeah. Um, you want to do some games? Yeah, totally. Right, cool. We can flesh out the, the, the world building yes, as we go, I think. Exactly. Um, so we, we have, um, some best buddies. Yeah, best buddies. Let's start with, let's start there. Okay. So, um, who, Yuri, need, who needs a friend? I think Yuri needs a friend. Oh, Yuri. Yeah. Yuri, Yuri a Yuri's a little soft cinnamon roll. Yeah. He's just like learning how to be a person. It's true. So who's good for a cinnamon roll in... Game of Thrones. I feel okay. This I feel like um, Tyrion Lannister is a surprisingly is. good cinnamon roll baker. He is. Oh, he's got to toughen that roll he's up. He's going to toughen the roll up, but not so much that it's burnt and crispy. Yeah, he's no, like, he, you know what? He keeps the gooey I'm inside. Gonna, yeah, exactly. He's like, I'm going to keep you good inside. 
But I'm going to give you a little edge. And then, <laughs> and then he just reaches up, handful of frosting to the face. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I keep that in my pouch. Just for moments like this. Yeah. Thank God that's not a metaphor. I know. I was really, I was trying to find ways <laughs> yeah. to pull that out of the double entendre, and it just no, kept getting worse. Going. Just kept going worse. And I'm just thinking he just like puts a little a little frosting on his nose. A little dollop of frosting. Yeah. And Yuri's like, what is this? What is this? That's how it happens. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think the two of them could definitely be buddies. Yeah. Um, I think Ned and Victor. Interesting. I think Can you like, tell me more? I mean, uh, partly like mentorship roles. Like yes. Ned is a better mentor than he is a human. <laughs> True. Like he teaches people things True. well. Um, he, but Ned is so earnest. Yeah. Victor is like, I'm going to flirt with everybody. I think maybe Ned, but maybe Ned pulls him back a little okay. bit and maybe Victor helps Ned get out of his show yeah, a little Ned's, bit. And Victor helps Ned be like, Hey, you know what? We don't got to be on her all the time. Sometimes. Sometimes you just got to have fun. Look, sometimes you can kill your enemies at court. Yeah, sure. Just slip a dagger in that there. That could happen. You know That's what? It. I think, um, Victor and Marguerite would be real good friends. Oh, they would get along so good. Yeah. Yes, Absolutely. 100%. Yeah, just real good-looking, flirty people. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and people who you're like, you know what? I'm going to be on your team. I trust yeah. you. I, I think you are playing the right game. Mm-hmm. Talk to me about Arya and Russian Yuri. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> That's, I think they would start off as enemies mm-hmm. because Yuri is just such a little angry baby tiger. As is Arya. As is Arya. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They would, they got would be claws together. Mm-hmm. But um, then eventually they would find that um, they, they're both very hard workers mm-hmm. and they're both very determined ah. and motivated. Like Yuri, uh, Russian Yuri is a really talented hardworking guy mm-hmm. and i think over the course of the season he finds that like he can't coast on his like pure talent and passion uh-huh. he's like he's got to put in the time and effort yeah um and in the same way Arya kind of puts in the time and it's effort into revenge yeah into, into all of her revenge yes um we'd be remiss if we did not discuss brienne of tarth <gasps> oh brienne so she's got to hang out with somebody i know let me see who who do we got maybe like the family that owns the hot sp- like yuri's family oh yeah. yeah i think she would actually enjoy them yeah and she and the hound could settle down oh. there together oh, oh. so Whoop. speaking of the hound uh-huh. um victor has a dog <gasps> he's got a little poodle oh a little poodle yeah well then i mean the hound and the poodle need to yeah, hang out right? obviously oh, my God. sanger think... clegane and a poodle <laughs> yeah i think that the hound would like Take up residence at the resort and realize that he was in a safe place. Yeah. And, oh, absolutely. And he would be like, and like it's a, it, I mean, it's hot springs, but it's not fire. Right. It would just be warm it's water. It's naturally warmed. Yeah. I think he would, he would do some real healing. Mm-hmm. Oh, good job, Sandra. And so, yeah, Brienne would be there like working the hot springs because like she's, she's had a real tough time. I think yeah. she deserves just having a real, a nice steady job with people. I think she can she be can, like chief of security at the event. Yes, there you we know, go. Making sure that everything yeah. hand, uh, happens as yeah. it should. Um, I think Renly is absolutely a major skater. Um, um, is he um, the Renly Baratheon? Yeah, Renly yeah. Baratheon, Robert's little brother. Yeah. He's totally, yeah, he's, he's in there. He's maybe, I think, Victor's ex. Oh, yeah. Well, I think he and, um, who is it, Kristoff, the, uh, oh, the yeah. winky, um, sexy figure skater. Mm. Yeah, they are, they're partners. Most definitely. Yeah. I think JJ and Jamie. 
I think Jamie used to be like a big deal finger skate. Oh, finger totally. And he and JJ, like I think they're, I think they're like real rivals. Yeah, yeah. I think Jamie, Victor, JJ, all real rivals. Yeah, they were all in like the same cohort. Yeah, and even Kristoff too. Like, yeah. I think um, they're in the same way. Like they respect each other, mm-hmm. but they're very, they're like, I will cut you. And like one be. of them has killed one of the other yeah. ones at some point. Oh, totally. Along the line. Um, yeah, absolutely. So this leads a little bit into Battle Dome. Everybody against everybody. Every, yeah, exactly. All those people against all those right. same people. What more do you need? Um, who, who? I mean, I you don't need to answer this if you don't yeah. want to. Who in the Yuri cast is getting killed? Um, there need to be stakes. Andy. I know, right? Um, so I feel like we we could um, take out um, Yakov Feltzman. I was just gonna say he Russian seems coach. like an easy choice. Yeah, um, because he's he is a good person, mm-hmm. and he and he pushes Russian Yuri to be the best skater he can be. Yeah, he doesn't he doesn't take um, sass. Yeah, I think Tywin probably takes him out. Um, yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. Um, Respectfully, you but, know, yeah, but it's but like he's an obstacle, yeah, exactly, and like he's very old school. Yeah, so it's like two old school dudes. Exactly. Um. I, feel I mean, like... JJ, I think, has to bite it. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. Sorry, JJ. Yeah. That's an early, ki- an early kill, I yeah. think. <laughs> yeah. Um, so um, I feel like this is this is a weird connection. Do it. But Yuri on Ice also has a weirdly incestuous thing going on. Really? The, there's this Italian figure skater uh-huh. whose sister is also a figure skater, and he's like, weirdly obsessed with her oh jamie and cersei there we yeah, go yeah right so i feel like they were all on the same team at some yeah point. but like i think they would like want to kill each other too yeah yeah i think they sold as a big murder pile yeah right <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah let's cut out those inconvenient plot lines exactly yeah i think that's that's my bloodlust is sated yeah unless you've got anybody else you want to throw in um i Okay, if if we're gonna say like Game of Thrones kills off your little cinnamon rolls, mm-hmm. um, I'm not gonna kill off um, the tie figure skater oh, because yeah. he's too good of a cinnamon roll. Absolutely, he's and he beautiful. wins, right? Doesn't he get the gold? No, oh. do you want to? I don't think I should no, spoil that. Don't. Never mind. Um, but he's adorable. No, in, in like in his like one, the final skating routine, like in in all the routines, you kind of hear what they're thinking and mm-hmm. like kind of what's motivating them and how they're doing, but like. In his final routine, he's, he ends up thinking about, like, how he wants to bring all of the skaters to Thailand and have this awesome figure skating show so everybody in Thailand can see how awesome figure skating Aww. is. And I'm like, I love you! <laughs> so he's fine. But um, I'm pretty sure Kenjiro um, Minami, who's also from Japan, like, I'm pretty sure he's the one who, like, idolizes Yuri, Japanese Yuri. Because, ah. like, Japanese Yuri is, like, a superstar to right. him. absolutely. And he's just coming up. Mm-hmm. So I feel like I could see that being, like, he's taken out by um, oh. maybe, um, oh, what's his name? The, the little terror, um, Joffrey. Oh, yeah. And, like, yeah. Yuri, Yuri, this is Yuri's, like, big moment of, like, oh, my God, this is for real. Everything's dark and yeah. terrible. Yeah. Um, Oberyn Martell is absolutely a figure skater. Um, yes oh yeah. man yeah i feel like he and victor had a past absolutely <laughs> i think they have a past present <laughs> yeah. future yeah, right. <laughs> he's open to it victor uh, we'll see but yeah right <laughs> yuri's just like i don't know if i can handle I this, know, guys, this oh my lot. god <laughs> you're both beautiful i don't know what to do i'm yeah. just oh god i'm gonna pass out yeah oberon is absolutely the biggest example in game of thrones of a character who 
through sheer force of actor charisma became so much more intrinsic to the show than his plot line justified. Yeah, because I guess in, in the books, he's like kind of a side character. He's ancillary and he's important and all the same things happen, but they happen with so much more weight in the show because yeah, the actor is it's, it's um, phenomenal. It's, oh God, oh. I can't remember his name. Yeah. Um, yeah, I will never remember his name, but uh, it, it's he's, he's amazing. beautiful and charismatic. And it's a problem because it gives so much more weight to the character than he I has in the books. I was so mad about his plot line. Yeah. No, I know. I remember. Because I loved him and you I wanted were, him to be on every single season. You were almost done with the show. Yeah, I really was. Yeah. And Which I'm I totally get. Yeah, I'm still better. Absolutely. But uh, now he and Victor are winkies. They're winkies across the ice. Yeah. <laughs> winkies across the ice. <laughs> Well, we got the name of our crossover exactly. all set. Exactly. <laughs> uh, I feel good about this. Me too. Yeah. I love it. I think they coexist pretty comfortably, minus all the murder. Yeah, but um, you know what? Then um, we've darkened the world of Yuri a little, yeah. understandably, but um, we, we brought a little fun and sparkle to the world. some levity of, to Westeros. Yeah, exactly. Some winkies across the ice. Winkies across the ice. It's hey. winkies, three exclamation points, <laughs> across <laughs> the ice. Maybe now if winter comes... <laughs> It's not that bad. Yeah. You know, still terrible, but like, hey, you know, we're all in costumes. Bread and circuses. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Well, if people want more joy and sunshine and sparkles in their winter, uh, where should they go? So um, if you want more figure skating, the Winter Olympics are coming. Like within like a couple weeks, maybe, or like in a week. They're coming right up. Yeah. and actually, there's a great men's field for singles, including Nathan Chen, who's like a young powerhouse. He's amazing. And Adam Rapon, who's the first openly gay American athlete to qualify for the Winter Olympics. Nice. Um, Do you think they sit around and are like, hey, which Yuri on Ice character are you? I hope so. Yeah. I remember, again, like reading the um, Johnny Ware article where he's like, I couldn't stop watching. Yeah. Like, and I'm sure, get, like, if someone wrote a TV show about, like, the YA writers I would be like oh my god they're gonna have everything wrong with it right. and like books are gonna come out within two months and people get like bajillions of dollars of advance oh yeah it'd be like whatever that show was with the playwright who oh my god parenthood more like Gilmore yeah she brought her script to a theater party gave, gave it, it to, to the producer yeah and then he wanted to do a reading of it and it was about her family basically yeah no it, it doesn't so work awful. like that kids yeah right but don't everybody that. loves that show. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but anyway, it's figure skater approved. Very mm-hmm. nice. Um, so you should watch the real figure skaters. Um, the women's field is also awesome, including Mary Nagasu, who was bummed from the team for the last Winter Olympics and has come back to claim her spot on the team. So Taking is, what's rightfully hers. Yeah, so, but that's very Yuri. Mm-hmm. I feel like she's the Yuri of this year. Aww. Um, she also loves dogs, which totally, again, has ties to Yuri on Ice because Victor has an adorable poodle. Pups. It's it's a perfect combination. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want more LGBTQIA-ish people falling in love, um, having adventures, and growing to understand their sexuality, um, there is Simon versus the Homo Sapiens Agenda about a teen boy who starts an online correspondence and, and reveals he's gay, even though he's not out to anyone else in his life. Um, this is one of my favorite contemporary YAs of the last few years. Um, there is the Gentleman's Guide to Vice and Virtue, set in historical times, about a young man on his grand tour of Europe with his best friend slash love interest. Um, I have fanficy dreams about Monty and Percy. Mm-hmm. Um, there's Aristotle and Dante discover the secrets of the universe about two teen boys who grow to understand their sexuality, each other, and the secrets of the universe. So it lives up to its promise. Yeah, totally. <laughs> 
Um, it's it's like just really gentle and beautifully written, even though it's about like some serious stuff. Yeah. Um, there's Georgia Peaches and Other Forbidden Fruit about a teen girl who moves to a small town with her pastor father and has to hide her sexuality even when her hot new lady friend is overtly flirting with oh, her. Oh no, dilemmas. Winkies from across the, across the ice, if you know uh-huh. what I mean. Um, there's Girl Man's Up about a teen girl who's struggling to figure out where she fits in among her guy friends and what it means to be a girl at all. Um, lots of great stuff there about friendship and family in addition to some adorable girl crushing. Um, and if you want more flashy sports fun, um, there's figure skating classics like Ice Castles and its remake and The Cutting Edge. Oh, The Cutting Edge. Yeah. That's topic. Equally man. as accurate as you're oh, yeah, right. sure. Yeah, right. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> I think I think Yuri on Ice wins. Mm-hmm. Um, there's Strictly Ballroom about a young man who wants to dance his own steps in the high stakes world of competitive ballroom dancing. Um, Before Boslerman found cocaine. Exactly. Like I feel like this is if if like Boslerman is real too much for you, but you still kind of like weird stuff. Like mm-hmm. this is your your entry. Yeah. Um, and very Australian, which is delightful. <laughs> um, and there's center stage about the competitive world of professional ballet. Um, sadly, only one gay character who never hooks up with anybody. Boo. I know, right? Um, but we did um, center stage meets Beowulf. So this is like... That's right. Yeah, We're very similar. Right in. Yeah. Yeah, which I think makes for a transition into some Game of Thrones exactly. recommendations. Um, I didn't have a whole lot for this one, actually, because it's basically like, I mean, high fantasy is a genre. Um, any of the sort of quote unquote classics are going to tie into Martin in some way or another. Um, he's very well versed in them. Uh, but some big ones, I know that I recommended it before, but the Broken Earth series by N.K. Jemison. Um, it starts with the fifth season. Uh, it's sort of epic world building, grand high adventure, and also a black feminist and often queer perspective on all of it. Nice. Uh, Yeah, it manages to have even bigger stakes globally than the world that Martin has created in Game of Thrones, while keeping its storytelling and its focus uh, on that scope more intensely personal. Um, It ties to only a handful of characters, but you still get the sense of the kind of global catastrophe that she is writing about. Um, Also, Jemison actually finished the series, so she's already got one up on Martin just for that. there is The King Killer Chronicles by Patrick Rothfuss. Uh, it is two books of an, again, unfinished series, uh, The Name of the Wind, and I forget the name of the other one, uh, The Wise Man's Fear. Um, this is sort of a provisional recommendation. Uh, I really love the writing of these books, and I think it has one of the more interesting magic systems in fantasy novels of recent years, but it is kind of... Again, it's an unfinished series, and I am very much at the point in the series where I'm ready for the protagonist to be bad at something, anything. Um, I think figure skating. Maybe yeah. it could be it. Um, yeah, I think I also uh, Patrick Rothfuss is uh, a guest on a lot of podcasts, especially a lot of D and D podcasts like Acquisitions oh. Incorporated, and I love him so much on those. Um, I think I may at this point love Patrick Rothfuss more than his writing, um, but. He is a beautiful writer. The language of the books is gorgeous. And I think I get the feeling uh, the traps that The Name of the Wind falls into with regards to its sort of male protagonist is great at everything and everybody exists to tell him how good he is. Um, The things that make it feel very dated, um, I like to think seeing sort of Patrick Rothfuss do interviews now is something from where he was at when he was writing them. And again, it's been 10 to 15 years at this point. So like, 
when slash if he has the next book come out, I'll be very interested to see if there's been a shift in the storytelling approach or style at all. And maybe that's why it's taking so long. Who knows? But um, if you want like a classic feeling high fantasy book that if you want your Game of Thrones fix, I think Name of the Wind is a pretty good one to get it. Um, there is the Earthsea Chronicles by Ursula K. K. Le Guin. Um, I literally just started reading this this week. Um, I am working on a fantasy play, and so I'm trying to do some research, especially for fantasy writers who aren't white dudes. Uh, and Ursula K. Le Guin seemed like a great place to start, so I ordered the first book in Earthsea, and then three hours later, she died. <laughs> well, three hours later, you found out she died. That's true. It was announced you that she died. Kill her. I don't know. I feel bad about it. <laughs> but um, I am deeply enjoying uh, Wizard of Earthsea so far. Um, again, it's a very cool, interesting approach to magic, which I feel like is 90% of the fun when you're reading a fantasy epic. Um, but this is also a call for all of you to let me know some other of your favorite fantasy series um, because I'm in research mode and I'm very much in the vein of Game of Thrones right now. Um, there's uh, my favorite non-Lord of the Rings high fantasy of all time is the Bredain Chronicles by Lord Al- Lloyd Alexander. It's very Tolkien-esque. It's super duper Welsh. Um, but uh, world building wise, it actually feels in a lot of ways closer to what Martin is doing in Game of Thrones, even than Lord of the Rings. Um, but it's super adorable and great. Um, and then I think the Golden Compass uh, by Philip Pullman has oh, a I lot of the that. same lofty thematic concerns yeah. and high fantasy but earnest storytelling. Um, yeah, and like kind of a response to either historical or literary tradition. Yeah, and structural societies as uh, um, oppressive, I yeah. think. like So there's a lot. I think Pullman may actually be an even closer proxy to Martin than like Tolkien at this point. Yeah. Um, they're both, I think, a little more concerned with the ground level concerns of their characters yeah. in the face of these big structures. F- fewer female issues, though. Oh, so much fewer female oh, issues. Hester the rabbit. Although still some weird sexuality stuff. Yeah, oh, totally. Fewer. Fewer. <laughs> not none. Yeah, oh, God not, forbid. It can't yet. be none. <laughs> but there's Hester. Oh, and Hester. Lee Hester and Lee. Um, uh, and then um, for some TV shows that are... I mean, there are a lot like Game of Thrones because Game of Thrones is a pretty singular show and a lot of the ones that have tried to imitate it have been bad. But uh, some shows that can give you some of those vibes, um, Orphan Black, Annie brought up, um, we have done on the show. It's twisty, it's turny, it's, it's fun It's dramatic, characters. it's exciting. Yeah. Um, again, uh, like really fun cast. Mm-hmm. Um, Battlestar Galactica, I think oh, for feels. big world building and large cast and high stakes and, you know, sudden turns is really great. We've talked about all of these on the show before, though, so we don't have to talk too much. And then you had a final entry. I did. So if you like garbage, <laughs> you should watch. <laughs> Get excited. You should watch Rain because it was a CW show um, that's a take on Mary Queen of Scots. It is specifically the CW trying to do Game of Thrones. Yes, exactly. And I spent a good three or four episodes thinking this is completely historically inaccurate. Like the costumes are garbage. None of this would have actually happened. Mm -hmm. What is going on? And I just had to realize that this was like kind of like how Martin is doing a take on The War of the Roses. I was like, oh, this is like a fantasy world. It's like the Seventeen magazine take on Mary Queen of Scots. Yes. And once I realized that, I was like, oh, great, I'm in. Yay. And it's it's just... It's trashy and it's bad free. and great. Yeah, it's trashy and bad and great, and I love it. And um, Anne Shirley's in it, so... Well, there you go. Yeah, that's exactly what I want from a show. Yay. <laughs> and you know what? Like, 
I find it much easier to watch than Game of Thrones. I can totally buy that. Yeah. Yeah. Game of Thrones is a punishing experience a lot of the time um, in ways that we can only hope at this point are ultimately rewarding. Yes. But um, yeah, I'll feel way better about recommending it once it's finished. Yeah. And I can see whether I actually want to recommend it or not. You can watch it rain in the meantime. Exactly. Get my fix. Um, But hey, speaking of doing things in the meantime, um, for the next two weeks, uh, where can people get a hold of us if they or where can they find more content about from Crossover Appeal? Uh, You can find all of our content and show notes at crossoverappealpodcast.tumblr.com. Yeah. You can email us some winkies across the ice at crossoverappealpodcast at gmail.com. You can tell us what song you would do your skating routine to in the Westeros skating competition of death mm-hmm. at our facebook group at crossover appeal podcast um you can send a bunch of fun ice skating and sword fighting gifts to our twitter account at crossover appeal and most importantly um you can subscribe on itunes and maybe leave us a rating or review because you know we actually don't have any commercials it's true so it's all for free isn't that awesome mm-hmm. maybe leave us a rating or review to much tell us how like much a figure skater us. Yeah, ten like out of our, ten. Yeah, right. Do we land the the technical scores? Have we done enough spins? Are we critically and audience acclaimed? Yay! All the acclamations. Yay! Uh, yay! But uh, yeah, let us know what you think. Um, but in the meantime, we're gonna take off for the next couple of weeks. Uh, we'll see you back here in fourteen days. And <laughs> <laughs> or whenever many, you listen. Or you know, whenever. How many times? How many different ways can I say two weeks? But, uh, <laughs> how much? How much is a fortnight? That's two weeks. We did it. (laughs) Nailed it. Half a month. Um, (laughs) Thank you so much for listening, everybody. This has been Crossover Appeal. I'm Walt McGaw. I'm Andy Cardi. And we are reminding you to, as always, please ship responsibly.